0: Thank you so much for inviting me to be with you this morning. I'm really excited that you're going to the Yvonne Arno, but I hope you don't have the response that I always had. When I was actually quite a little girl, um, we used to always go there for our Christmas treat. We went to the pantomime every year, and of course we all spent our time going boo, boo to everything. So as long as you don't have that response, it's going to be a very good time. Today's Bible reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. But unless you're going to look it up in the message, you might just want to listen because you might get a bit confused by another one. I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. He's right by my side. I'm glad from the inside out, ecstatic. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I have pitched my tent in the land of hope. The psalmist quoted here shows me how I can live in hope whatever my circumstances, whether I'm in calm waters or stormy seas. A situation drawn by a friend for me of a cartoon, this is me, pitching my tent in a storm. That's me streaming out behind the tent. My story of pitching my tent in the land of hope will be different to yours, but the joys and challenges that we feel may be similar, whilst the hope that God gives us and the ways that he calls us to respond will be the same. What is hope? We say We're hoping for a white Christmas or I hope to see you soon. But hopes such as these are filled with uncertainty. Hope with the Lord is full of certainty for now and confidence for the future. Hope is the confident expectation of God's ultimate blessing in this life and the life to come based upon the goodness and promises of God It's the anchor that roots and fixes us, regardless of what comes to knock us off course. My husband Keith and I were married 29 years ago. It was a glorious day. I was absolutely convinced the sky was blue, but apparently it rained. uh, And our relationship was founded on a great love for the Lord as well as for each other. And we've been blessed with five much loved children. 26 years ago, our second child, our eldest son, Joshua, was born. He was a beautiful baby. You can only see half of me, which maybe is a good thing, but this is Josh here, the little baby. He was a really beautiful baby, with bright red hair and bright blue eyes, but he looked different to what we were expecting. He was very floppy, he couldn't feed, and he turned blue within moments of his birth, very quickly being moved into special care. While the doctors explained many potential diagnoses to me, each more terrifying than the one before, I denied the obvious differences that Josh showed when compared with his older sister Hannah. Many tests later and after several long weeks of waiting, Josh was diagnosed with Prada-Willi syndrome a complex genetic condition that has many life-controlling and life-limiting characteristics. I cried from the depths of my being. And that's when my love for the Psalms began. I would read one after the other, where the Psalmist would cry out to the Lord in distress, and then the Psalm would proceed to the yet and the but and voice the hope and reality the psalmist had in God. I walked around with limbs that felt like they were made of lead and with all my being in shock and yet the Lord started to give me hope. Soon after Josh was born a friend who I've actually spotted sitting here now sent me a poem that carried around in my diary for years. In the poem entitled, Welcome to Holland, the writer recognized that before she became a parent to a child with additional needs, she had all sorts of ideas, expectations, and dreams. Something that we have for so many different areas of our lives, expectations, ideas, and dreams, but then something happens that rocks everything. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and make your wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life I've dreamt of going to Italy. But there's been a change in flight plan. They've landed in Holland and there you must stay. The important thing is they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks and you must learn a whole new language and you'll meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. It's just a different place. It's slower pace than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills and Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy and they're all talking about what a wonderful time they had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never go away because the loss of that dream is a very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. We're told in the Bible that suffering leads to perseverance, character and finally hope. We could spend our lives trying to normalize family life to make it seem as if we live in Italy. But freedom comes when we live in Holland, full of hope and enjoying all the tulips. At the stage of Josh's first diagnosis, we knew very little of the challenges ahead, but what we understood was very upsetting. Whilst I believed that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I still had to acknowledge the sadness and endure the darkness as I lived through the terrifying time of Good Friday with suffering and pain. Through Easter Saturday with confusion and sadness. Waiting for Easter Sunday, the day of hope and joy and victory to come. As we waited, coping with our sadness, trusting that things would get better, but with no idea when, we still knew God with us. Love and resurrection hope and joy always have the final word. When Josh was 12 weeks old, he caught bronchiolitis and was admitted to intensive care for two weeks being discharged just in time for his dedication. At the end of the service, our pastor held Josh up before the church and prayed for his healing. As he prayed, his prayer rapidly changed into prophesying that Josh would bring thousands of people to know the Lord. That prophecy has been a source of hope and encouragement to us Through times, the many times that Josh has been very unwell. And we've prayed for the many people that we've met through all our hospital visits. At one time in his life, for several years, we used to go almost daily, so there was much opportunity to pray. As we went to physio and speech therapy sessions, psychiatry and social services, portage, form-filling and campaigning, emerging diagnoses, hospital appointments, surgery and visits... And between all of these, we were moving house into a house that had no gas, electrics, water or intact roof. When Josh left school, no college felt able to accommodate his wide spectrum of need. And so he went to his first post-school residential placement. This placement was very short-lived because Josh was abused by his key worker, and safeguarded home, unaware of all the social services, police and legal proceedings that followed. It was an emotionally and physically exhausting time for us all, but it's often in my darkest times that God makes his presence known most clearly, enabling me to pitch my tent in the land of hope. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And as Josh and I spent the next year working on a project for adults with learning disabilities, we healed and learnt much. Even when, or maybe especially when, I was stretched beyond the limit of my own resources. Together, we farmed pigs and cows, chickens and goats on a two-acre site in Rotherhithe in central London. Or at least, that was the theory. One very cold January day, as I stood ankle-deep in duck droppings, helping a spectating Josh to muck out the duck house, I wondered quite how I had ended up there. Josh is now living an, in an excellent and appropriate specialist residential home, and we spend a day together every week. Although Josh has many complex challenges in his life, in addition to Prader-Willi syndrome, if we only look at his challenges and diagnoses, we will miss the great joy and gift that is Josh. Josh loves Jesus and knows that he's loved by him. Over the years, we've become used to rapid change and unpredictable events. But two years ago, our family life took another unexpected turn. One morning, my husband Keith woke up unable to speak or make sense of the world around him. He couldn't remember where we lived, when he was born, or what my name was. Over the next few days, we discovered that Keith had glioblastoma, a very aggressive brain cancer. This time was agonizing. Even after radical surgery and therapies, The cancer in Keith's brain grew very quickly, causing rapid rapid cognitive and neurological changes. As fast as we learned how to cope, the situation changed. I felt like an astronaut, very wobbly and disconnected from the world around me. But even so, I was standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. We had to inch forward step by step, day by day, seeing the Lord always before us and knowing God by our side, we knew that nothing could shake us as we were reminded in the scripture passage I read earlier. Once again, we were working on living with our new normal. Some of our new normal gave us unexpected pleasure. My classical music-loving husband really enjoyed his VIP trip to a rap gig where our son Sam was the sound engineer, combining fatherly love, joy, and pride with chatting with the production team who sat him in the place of honour just off stage. A few weeks later, whilst we were watching the Great British Bake Off final, Keith had what was effectively a stroke. Having already decided with our GP that life was for living, but not for medical heroics, and realizing that Keith needed more help than we could give him at home, he moved to Trinity Hospice, our local hospice, where he was given the most excellent care that enabled us to live every moment. Our whole family enjoyed sleepovers with dad, squashing together on bed side by side in his room until our son Sam realized that he could get better Wi-Fi reception if he slept in the char tray. <laughs> Life was not at all easy for Keith or for us as we loved and cared for him but the deep sadness was tempered by joy and the very real reality and hope of heaven. However, there were times when I felt as if I would panic. My beloved husband was dying. But I've pitched my tent in the land of hope and so I would stand firmly on the ground and root my feet and say out loud, My name is Philippa Saville, and I'm a child of the living God. I'm standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. He knows the plans he has for me, plans that are good and not to harm me, to give me hope and a future, and therefore I will not fear. In the middle of November, almost exactly two years ago, Keith slipped into unconsciousness. Being in the hinterland of heaven is a very profound place to dwell. A place that enlarged and changed my heart and my soul forever. Psalm 23 and 27 express this reality beautifully As the Psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of of whom shall I be afraid? Keith was unconscious for more than three weeks and then one day in December he took his final breath on earth going to be with his Lord and Saviour whom he loved so much and to enjoy eternal life free from all earthly limitations. But of course our family story doesn't stop there. After Keith died, my first spoken words were a heartfelt prayer of thankfulness for him and for God sustaining us. And then to ask the Lord for courage to live and to do that well. Our whole world had changed in a moment and our lives were never going to be the same again. We grieved and laughed, we cried and remembered. We were wonderfully loved and supported by family and friends as we had been for so many years. We were thankful and hopeful and sad. Now, as we move forward with our lives, sometimes with ease and sometimes with more difficulty, we are confident of this. We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Throughout Keith's illness and Josh's life, I have believed and prayed for God to do a miracle and heal them, but Keith has died and I've not yet seen Josh healed. However, I had and have a choice. I could get stuck on why God has not healed Keith, and why Josh's life has been especially tough at times. But I believe that God is who he says he is, that God is good all the time, and no matter what the outcome. My hope is in God, and I choose to trust him. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. Even though I can't control situations, I can control how I face them. Amongst other things, I found it helpful to read and learn scripture, hiding God's word in my heart so that it might be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path and show me the way to go. I like to declare the promises of God aloud, For example, Isaiah 40, verse 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And I remember the many times that God has done that for me. Photographs remind me of the wonderful, though different, family life we've enjoyed, full of fun, laughter, joy and love, and many other experiences and emotions beside Keith was a really excellent bird photographer. Our whole kitchen wall is covered with photographs of birds. And now I'm having a go. It's taken me a while to want to do so, and I'm not very good at getting the bird in the frame yet, but (laughs) I'm enjoying having a go. I've begun a, a few other new things as well. Uh, I've ex- uh, we're extending our family, not in the natural way, but we now have four new lodgers, all under 24, which is great. And um, also, I'm speaking here today. So that's the, the part of a new thing. I love to pray. I pour out my heart to God, and I listen to him. One day recently, I was missing Keith a lot. Whilst I was praying... The Lord specifically encouraged me to read Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 to 6. Having already chosen to pitch my tent in the land of hope, listen to what God said to me next when I was discouraged. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, do not be afraid. You will remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Well, if that's not the the living God, we all have the opportunity to know. Isn't that wonderful? I also really like to sing, and I, I like to sing worship songs to lift my eyes from my circumstances up to the Lord, as well as delighting in praising him. Consider the lyrics of the Hillsong song, Oceans. So I will call upon your name, and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours, and you are mine. Sometimes I can be heard preaching to myself to fight off discouragement. For example, I have pitched my tent in the land of hope. What have I done? I've pitched my tent, planted my life, sometimes easily and sometimes with more difficulty. With what have I done that? With my tent, my life. What does that look like? Is it a festival tent that pops up, up and down very quickly and then when you've finished you put it away in the cupboard for months or on end? Or is it like the focus big top that takes days to put up but then is able to withstand the storms. Where have I pitched my tent? In the land of hope, the place where God dwells and reigns. Yesterday morning, I woke up with two thoughts going through my heart and mind. I found myself wondering what Keith would say if he was standing here now. And I knew that he would want to share that wonderful invitation handed out to each one of us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will give you rest. As we look forward to the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at Christmas we must be ready for his second coming which is when he return as he's promised us he's going to do. If you don't yet have that relationship with Jesus that he is just longing to have with you why don't you open your heart today and ask him to come in? There, I suggest that you would be pitching your tent in the land of hope, which is definitely the best place to dwell. You may know deep pain and disappointment, sadness and despair in your own life, maybe something so painful that it's hidden deep within your, your heart. But because of the Lord's great love for us, the love shown for you and me, when he died on the cross and rose again, we can choose to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I fix my eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen and walk out step by step with my hand in the hand of Jesus. I wait in the confident hope of heaven where there will be no more dying or crying, or mourning, or pain. While I wait, while we wait, there will be hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that we may know that Jesus is the Lord who summons each one of us by name. And so we can pitch our tents, wait, trust, and live in the land of hope. Amen.